0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a Cancer Diagnosis, Adaptogens for Long Life, and Abundantly Well Companion Course
2: Hi, Susan. Happy New year
3: and happy New year to you. How have you been? What have you been up to?
2: I have been good i um I got to take a little trip. I went down to Oaxaca when I was for just a week so I took some time off from my shop and um my family life and went down there and um now I'm just been back getting back in the swing of things and we also just had a pretty mellow uh, Christmas uh, holiday season here. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes,
3: Justine and Monica, Jean, and I had a wonderful time filming our new video course in Costa Rica. <clears throat> it's called Treasures of the Tropics. And, uh, Costa
2: Rica is amazing. Yeah. In Costa Rica.
3: Yes, I've just been in Costa Rica for a couple of weeks.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
3: you know Justine is there every winter, that she lives there in the wintertime. And uh, I really value eating locally. And I produce much of my own food, belong to a CSA, have friends who are farmers. I'm you know, very, very much into local. I often tease that 15, 16 years ago I was thrown out of an organic conference for saying that local was more important than organic. But I stood by it then and I'll stand by it now. Local is very, very important because then you know what's happening. Mm -hmm. So what am I doing in the tropics? It's because I looked around and I realized that I love chocolate Mm -hmm. and that I love coconut. And then I use vanilla and that um, hibiscus is an infusion that I am using more and more. And these are plants of the tropics. And so I thought Mm I would go to the tropics, go to Costa Rica, and go to places that grow these tropical crops. We went to an organic coffee farm. We went to an organic cacao farm. We went to an organic pineapple plantation.
2: Wow. Yeah, I saw some pictures on online of your travels. Yeah, we went
3: we went to several integrated farms where they have animals and plants and take people on tours. A lot of the small farmers in Costa Rica have discovered that while it's almost impossible to make a living as a farmer, you can make a pretty fair living from the tourist trade giving tours of your farm. Mm -hmm. So any number of them are doing tours of their farm. The very first place that we went, which was the organic coffee farm, is a three-generational family there. The grandmother and grandfather and the two sons and one of the son's wives and children, the other one, is not married? And the older son who gives the tour and is the, kind of the spokesperson for the enterprise, um, ask us if we knew about the antioxidant val- value of coffee. Well, you know about that, right? Yeah, that both coffee and tea are very high in antioxidant power. You don't need to feel bad that you're drinking a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Um, Better antioxidants than a glass of orange juice. Mm -hmm. But he said, what we all know is that the fruit always has more antioxidants than the seeds, right? Mm
4: -hmm.
3: The coffee is the seed of the coffee berry. Mhm. If you imagine a cranberry that got puffed up and made a little longer, that's coffee berry.
2: Yeah, and, and that's there was a big uh kick for for you to drink the fruit of the the coffee berry coffee. I remember a few years yeah. ago. Yeah. So uh-huh.
3: instead of it being a waste product, he dries it and sells it as coffee berry tea. But um, to my to my taste buds even better. He thought, wow, I bet I could make a wine with this. So he makes coffee berry wine. He said the first 1,100 gallons he had to toss, it wasn't any good, but he has since got his recipe down, and we tasted his coffee berry wine flavored with ginger, flavored with cacao, and flavored with, oh, yes, coffee, because, of course, coffee berries don't taste like coffee. In fact, coffee beans don't taste like coffee. Mm Mm-hmm huge stacks of them drying because they have to dry for quite a while and they get, you know, tossed and turned like you would anything that you're screen-drying. And they smell like bread. They smell like grain. hmm And it's the roasting that makes them bitter. Yeah. In fact, all the people in the coffee-growing places drink the least, the lightest roast they can. hmm they like they They like and are accustomed to the smell and the taste of the actual coffee bean. It's just fascinating. We went to um organic pineapple plantation. I said it was just huge and um basically, once you have a pineapple, you can plant five hundred acres of pineapple because they make daughters and so every pineapple there what is the same pineapple. And they plant them in rotation so that there's always pineapples becoming ripe. And they're not strictly organic. They do integrated pest management, which actually for many fruit crops is a better choice. And he talked about how in Costa Rica, chemicals are called green line chemicals, yellow line, orange line, and red line. And that Golden Pineapples uses only green line chemicals. If they have to use chemicals, and now, what, I said, well, that's right that So h- how do I get like your pineapples? He says you can't because there's only one packer, and that's a Dole. And Dole is using red line chemicals. So all of the pineapples are packed by the same people. You don't know when you buy that fresh pineapple or when you open that kind of pack. Pine- can of pineapple who grew the pineapple
4: Hmm.
3: so this is one of the reasons why local is really important there's very strong standards about what pineapple can be shipped and most of the pineapples that they grow are shipped out of the country although as we went down the road we saw signs the first sign was two pineapples for two dollars pretty good and then further on down the road it said four pineapples for two dollars even better we almost stopped there, but as we went down the road, then we saw the one that said six pineapples for $2. Now, actually, that's a bit of a trick because, as I said, there's really high standards, really specific standards about the pineapple, and one of those standards is it can't be too ripe. It can't be too sweet, mm-hmm. and so all of the ones that are too ripe and too sweet are the ones that are for sale in Costa Rica. If so you buy those six pineapples, you better be prepared to eat six pineapples in the next 24 hours.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> because it of- it is just going to turn <laughs>
5: into
3: pineapple wine right there in front of you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well,
2: it sounds uh, like you probably ate really good while you were there.
3: We we ate very very well while we were there. I asked um, the man who is um, responsible for the plantation um, if he knew anything about the medicinal effects of pineapple and he said that yes that bromelain he knew that bromelain was used for healing and that he had seen people using it to help heal after surgery and that it seemed to work very well and I said did he know if the bromelain was through the whole pineapple or if in like in many cases it was nearer to the skin and he said no actually it was not nearer to the skin but the bromelain is concentrated in the core of the pineapple
4: Mm -hmm.
3: So if you're looking for a natural source of bromelain to aid healing, buy a pineapple, give all the sweet part to your friends, and eat the core. They, of course, you know, uh, hold the pineapple with one hand and the machete with the other and go whap, 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 you know, take off the four sides and the end. And then they have this amazing slicing pattern with the machete, Whap, 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 whap. And they then they push it, and it's this like perfect ladder of little pineapple slice bits. It's quite fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Cool. And how are we do it in stage? <laughs>
3: Justine videoed it all, and uh, we're going to be. Um, it's all being uploaded. And she'll be here at the beginning of February, and we will be putting the pieces together and hope to have Treasures of the Tropics available for you. She says by my birthday. I don't think it'll be that soon. I don't think it'll be by February 8th, but certainly before the end of February.
2: Yeah, seems like February yeah. is going to be here <laughs> soon,
3: soon. And tonight. Tanya Zabinski is going to be here. Tanya aspires to live an artful, heartful, mindful life. She has won all kinds of awards, and she's using a self-invented reduction process with silkscreen screen printing. And I think she has a book out, but we'll find – yes, that's her first question. What is your book about? So We will get to find out what Tanya is doing, what about her art, what about her book, and all about that at 9 o'clock, our time here on the East Coast, and uh, approximately an hour and 15 minutes from now wherever you are in the world.
2: Yeah, she does lots of really cool children's illustrations from what I have seen. I don't have any of her books yet, but I was looking them up online and um looks like some really cool ecological illustrations for children's books.
3: I saw a cartoon which a child was sitting there thinking, "How can I turn my parents on to being more aware of manners on the planet?" <laughs> <laughs>
2: I feel the same way as a child. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
3: Uh (laughs) So, do we have anybody with any questions? Or, in our absence, have all of the world's problems been
2: solved? Nope, we do have people on the line with questions. If you have a question for Susan, make sure to press one. But we have a few people here. So, our first caller is coming from the 718 area code. Hello. Hi. Hi,
0: Susan. Great. So glad to speak to you. Um, Susan, I have a a great difficulty. My daughter can't speak now, so I have to speak for her. She came down about about a month ago. which looked like a fungal a fungal thrush, and uh, herbies. But when she took the test, a culture, the fungus was negative. The uh, whether well, it's herbies is pending. In the meantime, her mouth is burning on fire. She has open source the entire mouth under the lip. Wherever you look, it's open source. Very painful and she cannot at this point already drink. Get the food get the uh she eat, eat she couldn't eat the whole time for the four weeks, but she was able to drink. Now she's having a lot of difficulty getting the liquid down. And um I had to go for mm-hmm. a um uh to put some uh what do you call it? So, you know, water in her system. Is that was what that's called? You know, the IVs. And then I took her home, and she's uh, throwing up a lot of saliva. She's uh, salivating the entire time also, a lot of gook coming out. And at the same time, her throat is extremely dry. The tongue is very dry. And uh, she's in. She's just in a lot of pain. And she doesn't know where to put herself, and I don't know what to do for her.
3: I hear you. She's how old? She's 36. Usually, herpes sores will go away.
0: Right. That's
3: four weeks now. Usually, herpes sores don't spread.
0: Uh-huh.
3: In other words, if there's going to be more than one, they all kind of come out at the same time. Uh-huh. So, I'm... Very distressed. This, as I know that you are, and she is as well. And let's think about some things that we could do. First of all, the inside of her mouth is very painful. What can we do that would ease that? We want something that's mucilaginous and soothing. She's having a hard time swallowing. So while something like marshmallow or linden, especially both of them with a little bit of honey, are incredibly soothing and the honey very moisturizing, it might be better to think about something like a slippery elm ball with slippery elm and honey that she can just hold in her mouth. I would like to see her make some marshmallow root infusion and hold that in her mouth. Again, in no way are are any of these things going to solve whatever the underlying cause is, but right now I think that it's vitally important to bring her some ease. What kinds of things have you been doing for ease that haven't worked?
0: Um, I I was giving her some teas. I I did use marshmallow. I used nettle. Uh
5: huh. Um, and and when you
0: say it
3: when you say a tea, how did you make the marshmallow?
0: Um. I uh, I poured hot water over it. And how I much
3: hot water and how much tea. herb?
0: Uh, I put in about uh, four four cups of uh, four cups of water to an ounce of the um, of the of the tea, and I let it soak for a while. Uh, at least a couple an, of hours.
3: That's an infusion, not a tea. Oh,
0: okay. So it's, I guess all Tea right, is a tea. small
3: amount of fresh or dried herb brewed for a short time, usually under five minutes.
0: No, no, no. I I soaked this a while.
3: Infusion okay, is tea. a large amount of herb, usually an ounce. In a quart of boiling water, brewed for a long time, four hours or longer. Now with marshmallow, as with other mucilaginous herbs, the best mm-hmm. is yet to come. After you make that infusion, strain it off. And then if you're making it in a jar, just fill the jar right up to the top of cold water. And put it back in the refrigerator. And the mucilage in the marshmallow will come out now into the cold water. And it will become very slimy, that water.
0: So wait, am I making infusion first with the hot water and then?
3: Correct, and then you strain that out. You can drink that. That's fine, but it's not as good as the second brew that you're going to make with cold water. Oh,
0: Second brew is cold I got it now. Okay. I understand. That's interesting. Okay. So then with the cold water. So if you put an
3: ounce of marshmallow root in a quart jar, fill it to the top of the boiling water, put a lid on it, let it steep for four hours, strain that liquid out. You can drink that, put it in the refrigerator. It's good to drink. It's nothing wrong with it. And then fill the jar right up to the top with cold water and stick that in the refrigerator. When you see it now and then, just, you know, give it a little shake top to bottom, bottom to top. And then once you're done with the first quart Or if you want to, after four to six hours, you can start using the cold infusion. And marshmallow has so much good mucilage in it that sometimes you can even make a second cold infusion.
0: Uh You'll be
3: able to tell. Is the water slippery? Does it seem kind of slimy? Mm -hmm. That's what we want. The same thing with linden, right? We make a regular linden infusion, strain out the infusion, and then add cold water. And with the linden, because it's a little tougher than the marshmallow root, I bring that cold water up to a boil. So we get the mucilage pulled out in the cold water and as well as what happens with the heat. With the marshmallow, we don't need to add any further heat after the first one. Okay. Have, have you used slippery elm at all?
0: Again, use what? The
3: slippery elm. elm.
0: No, I didn't, no.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a YouTube, actually there's several YouTubes, me making slippery elm balls and Monica Jean making slippery elm balls, and us talking about slippery elm balls, and basically what it is is slippery elm powder mixed with honey and rolled up into a ball, whatever size ball you want. I like one about the size of a macadamia nut. Some people like them bigger, some people like them smaller. Once the honey and the slippery elm, and I put the honey into the slippery elm powder, just like mm. I was making pie dough, so that mm. I can stir it in and add little bit by little bit, like just like making pie dough, right? You don't want to just say, mm. oh, it's two cups of you know flour and butter and a cup of water and dump the cup of water in because ah. it might be too much. <laughs> and it's awful, awful hard to try to get more flour in once you've done that. Oh, my gosh. So the same thing with the honey and the slippery elm. We just drizzle it in bit by bit, stirring, stirring, stirring until we give. Aha, yes, indeed, a mix, the same consistency as pie dough. And that's then rolled into balls of whatever size you want, and then I roll them in that slippery elm powder to keep them from sticking to each other. And that can just be put in your mouth and sucked on. You can also buy cut slippery elm bark and treat it just like marshmallow root. Brew up an infusion with an ounce of cypress elm bark, strain it off, it's good to drink, fill the jar right up to the top of cold water, get the good mucilage out of that as well. My daughter likes to make cypress elm gruel from the cut cypress elm bark, and she just tosses a handful into a quart of water and brings it to a boil, and it gets so thick, it's really like porridge. Oh. So, and she can eat that in this oh, in this please. four weeks. What has happened is that she has been tested for fungus, and there is no fungus infection. A test for herpes has been done, but hasn't yet come back. Has anyone then, has anyone yeah, looked but, down her throat? Has anyone looked to see if there's anything bad happening inside her throat? The
0: throat we haven't gotten to, but we did go yesterday to have the, uh, um, a biopsy of, of some piece of a gum, and that's been sent out to Columbia. I'm waiting for about a week to come, or three or four days to come back. I've yet to see what the results are. They're suspecting an autoimmune disease, perhaps. Uh, pemphi, pemphi, pemphigus, I think it was called. I don't know what that is, but uh, they say it's some kind of a skin rash in the mouth. And the only way to treat that is with steroids.
4: Is it steroids?
0: Yeah, she can't have that because she has uh, uh, RP, and that would uh, destroy her blood pressure, her eye pressure. So she can't even touch that. So I really don't know what they're going to figure out, if it's an autoimmune disease. Mhm. Well... Mm-
3: There are a couple of things that can be done if it is indeed an autoimmune disease. And one that you can start trying now is tincture of Hypericum perforatum.
0: Okay. How do I do do it? What do I do? You just use it
3: as a... Sometimes called St. John's wort or St. Joan's wort. You want the tincture of the fresh flowering plant, never from the dry plant. Okay. And... It's an herb that I make the tincture by the court because I like to take large amounts of it. I take it by the dropperful, and I may take a dropper full if, if something is really bothering me as much as every 15 or 20 minutes. Uh-huh. It kills viruses. It gets into the nervous system and quells pain. It changes how lactic acid is dealt with in the muscles so that there's less Uh-oh. less musculoskeletal pain. Um, if it, indeed it was herpes, it is a specific against herpes. And so I think it has a lot going for it, and it's a great aid to the immune system.
5: Mm-hmm. The surprising. other
3: thing that I like, I don't know if you followed the show, uh, but there was a woman that I've known for a very long time who called in, And had been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And she said, what shall I do? And I said, well, the cure for an autoimmune disease is to get sick and run a fever. And so she endeavored to get the flu, got sick, ran a fever. And indeed, when she got well from the flu, she did not have her autoimmune disease anymore.
0: Wow. Just wow. So the fever killed everything. Well...
3: Actually, here's what we think is happening. We think that someone gets some kind of bad bug from food. Let's call it food poisoning. We're talking about over two dozen different organisms that can occur through food, and some of them will affect you very promptly, and some of them take weeks to have effect on you. And the immune system, of course, says, oh, my goodness, we cannot let her die of food poisoning. And so it goes to war against whatever the pathogen is that is causing this distress to the body. And when it wins, it goes amok. Instead of saying, yes, well, I won. Now it's time to go home and sit down, put my feet up, and, you know, have a brandy. Instead, it says, let's do more. And it starts attacking anything that looks like the pathogen. So if that's the gut lining, then you have Crohn's disease, right? If it's the joints, then you have autoimmune joint problems. And this is why there's so many different autoimmune diseases, because it depends on what was the original pathogen that the immune system was fighting. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the fever... um, Resets the immune system.
5: Oh. Mm -hmm.
3: So that it stops attacking the body. It's supposed to know better. You know how kids can sometimes get like just so tired that they're wired? Mm Mm-hmm. Some herbalists that I know and myself believe that that's what's going on in autoimmune disease, that it is not that the immune system is overactive. It is that it is exhausted.
0: Mm -hmm. Sounds really good. So herbalists use
3: herbs that are good for the immune system. Doctors say don't use any herb that's good for the immune system because the immune system is overactive. But we say, ah, ha, 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 ha. that's like saying that that kid who is bouncing off the walls is overactive. No, that kid is not overactive. That kid is exhausted.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So any immune healthy herb like astragalus, echinacea, calendula, and of course. If she can drink at all, drinking nourishing herbal infusions, you're not far off the mark with nettle because it provides the nutrients that the immune system as well as every cell in the body needs.
0: Mm-hmm. But the other ones that have it out of nucleogen, that's going to give her a release for the, um, for the dryness, the pain she's getting from that. And the regurgitating the, the, um, the throwing up.
3: I'm sorry, I couldn't quite understand that.
0: When she's throwing up all the time, the, uh, the saliva coming up, would that help with that as well? She actually
3: throwing up?
0: She's starting to now, yeah, of late. Like just today mm-hmm. she started really throwing up. There's just so much coming out. She has some nausea.
3: But then again, it, this this seems to me to point to something very wrong going on in her throat.
0: The throat itself. Mm-hmm.
3: In her throat itself, yes. Mm-hmm. It may or I may really... not be related to what's going on in her mouth. Perhaps it's part of this whole autoimmune thing, but it bears
0: investigating. So she'll have to do a, um, uh, uh, you know, where they take that cotton tip and they just put it down the throat. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yes. you will do that tomorrow. Okay. All right. Susan, thank you so, so, so much.
3: You are welcome. What's your daughter's name? Miriam. Miriam. Thank mm-hmm. you.
0: Call back
3: and no, let you. us know right. what's happening in t- in you know whenever you want to. Next week, two weeks, three weeks, whenever you have time to. If you would do that, I would appreciate it.
2: I will, too. Thank you so much, Susan.
0: Green
3: blessings. Good night.
2: The next caller is coming from the 732 area code.
5: Hi, Susan. Thank you for taking my call. Um, Susan, I have had high LDL numbers since my 20s. I don't know family history because I'm adopted, but I'm assuming this is probably hereditary since they've been high for a very long time. I'm now 63. So I went to a um, cardiologist recently with a blood test, and he saw my cholesterol numbers and he said, You know, you may have to go on cholesterol medication. Uh, But first we're going to do a few tests like test your calcium um, levels to see if, uh, if there's plaque and how bad the plaque may be and so on. And I said, I don't want to go on cholesterol medication. And I said to him, I would rather be on something herbal. I drink herbal infusions, which was like talking to the wall, because he then came out and said, Well, herbs are not FDA approved. And, of course, I then said, okay, I'll I'll give you that. But if we're going to look at medication, which is FDA approved, everybody's on medication and you have all these commercials for, you know, whatever it is that people are taking. And then at the very bottom of that commercial, there's about 30 things that could happen to you, which is, you know, suicidal thoughts and, I don't know, your eyes could fall out, your arms could fall off, and all this crazy stuff, right? So that was the end of that. Um, he, he wasn't happy with my comment, and, and I just pretty much left it as, I don't want to uh, take um, cholesterol medication because I know too many people on it, and everybody has muscle spasms, and it may be helping one thing, but it's hurting something else. So I was doing research, and here's my question for you. Um, I found a, and I'm not certain if I'm pronouncing this right, A-M-L-A amla berry. Uh-huh. It's also called the gooseberry.
3: It is and a I've form read, of gooseberry.
5: Okay. It's not and a gooseberry.
3: I, it's not okay. what a European would call a gooseberry.
5: Okay. And I read that this is, uh, it really seems like it's something that could help lower um your LDLs uh, 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 along with um I guess bringing up your HDLs and it it just seems like a powerhouse this <laughs> berry. Um so I wanted to know your thoughts and if you don't think this is the solution what what would you advise me to do?
3: Those are all good questions and I want to answer them but first I, I have a, I have a question. Sure. Why did you go to the cardiologist? Okay.
5: So honestly, I go for preventative reasons. And Wait a um, second.
3: Excuse me. Going to a doctor is not
5: preventative. Well, okay. I, okay, let me, t- let me just say this. My husband in the last three years, you're not going to believe this, and, and by the way, he has great cholesterol, has had four heart attacks. Every, you know, they just come on out of nowhere. And we found out that um, he's having spasms in his arteries. So he's so so that's him. But but um, friends of his, you know, once you start going through these things, you start finding out about your friends who have three stents and four stents and five stents. And I said, wait a minute. I don't want to get to the point where You're going to the hospital, and and all of a sudden you're waking up and finding out you have five stents in front of you. So let's do prevention, and let's – because none of us really know if you have plaque, um, and if you do, how severe is it? And the only way you're going to find out, I think, is by maybe having this test or that test. And because I'm adopted and not knowing any family history – I like to just go and because you're absolutely right. The conventional doctors are not about prevention at all. They're about medication. But right. I go to them and I their tell concern them
3: with, prevention is you taking a statin.
5: Yeah. I go to them and I that's tell what them their idea what of run. prevention
3: is. Is that yes. you now start taking a drug for the rest of your life. And if that's it's, not what you want to do, then don't Go
5: to the doctor. What? Right, but if I don't know, if I know that my LDLs, and and like I said, they really, they're you hot. You know what? As
3: far as I'm concerned, it's all pretty meaningless. Your husband, who has great cholesterol, I think you just said had four heart attacks. There's right. not strong scientific evidence that cholesterol leads to a heart attack. There's very strong evidence that inflammation and stiffness in the blood vessels leads to heart attack. Uh huh. Who's measured your C-reactive protein? Right. Yes. Did you have a test for C-reactive protein? Yes.
5: And how's your C-reactive protein? protein And my and my homocysteine levels are very good.
3: Then the rest of it is meaningless. Uh I don't care what your LDL is.
5: Okay. Well, I just panic. Not want. Like I said, I don't want to all of a sudden wake up in the hospital and hear. You have five stents. Then you should be taking stents. In you?
3: You don't wake up with stents. Excuse me. I'm sorry. That I don't know who told you that, but that's not what happens.
5: No, I mean, like, stents if you're are not put
3: in during a procedure which requires the person to be alert and awake. It's not even a surgery in which the person is made unconscious.
5: Mm, Okay.
3: Um okay now do you have a copy of my new book abundantly well?
5: No I don't. Oh I uh,
3: right. So in abundantly well. Okay. I have a list here on page 301 cholesterol reducing foods. Okay. Two handfuls of almonds a day lowers LDL cholesterol by 10%. A half cup of dried apple a day lowers LDL cholesterol by 23%. A raw apple a day lowers LDL by 40%. Wow. And this is these are just the first three entries here, right? Mm-hmm. Chocolate is fabulous for lowering cholesterol, especially LDL.
5: Okay. And what kind of chocolate? Dark chocolate. Okay. Half
3: an ounce a day. Cinnamon, a half tablespoon, reduces LDL by 33%. Oh, wow. Okay. I use cinnamon. So you can get Amla. There's nothing wrong with Amla. But all Mm -hmm. these other things are better, aren't they? Yes. And what is your bug? Strawberries, re- a pound of strawberries. Oh, you can eat a pound of strawberries a day. That's too much. But it reduced LDL 14%. percent hmm And then I actually say who can eat a pound of strawberries in a day, let alone every day. Tea, green or black, reduces LDL cholesterol 11% after three weeks.
5: Okay. Wow.
3: It's not difficult to reduce your cholesterol. Mm-hmm. But, again, it's kind of like um, shooting, you know, at a paper cutout of something. It's meaningless. I've never had my cholesterol tested. I will never have my cholesterol tested
5: because it means nothing. Really? You've never had it tested? Never. why should I have my cholesterol tested well I'm, I'm just always concerned if you have plaque in your arteries so am I thinking this all wrong what
6: causes
5: stiff arteries is inactivity
3: what causes stiff arteries is processed and refined foods you know these things that are not take uh-huh. these things
5: Right. And you I, know I that if
3: you want to have a healthy heart, healthy. you need to get up and run around.
5: Okay, that's one thing. You I know, know that too. if
3: you want to have a healthy heart, you cannot live on soda pop and potato right. chips. Mhm. And I don't. You know that you need fruits and vegetables and whole grains and beans in your diet if you want to have a healthy heart. Christopher Hobbs was invited to give a presentation at a Big A and A conference about herbs and heart health. And, you know, all of us, whenever we have to do something like that, we, like, totally over-prepare because it's like, suppose somebody asks me something and I don't know the answer, you know. So he said, you know, he just like, wailed into all of, you know, the research and medline and everything he could find. He said, and I will tell you in one word what the most important thing to prevent a heart attack is. Do you know what that one word
5: is? No. Cyber. Wow. Fiber? Fiber.
3: Okay. Nothing more important in your diet when it comes to heart health, he says, than fiber. Hmm. Spend an hour. Do some research. What's high in fiber? Get more of it in Mm -hmm. your diet. All the things I mentioned are high in fiber, aren't they? Fruits, vegetables, grains, whole Mm -hmm. grains. Those are all high in fiber. Right. Right? Right. So, what I read to you about the cholesterol, that's um, an appendix, right? That's back in the back, appendix one and page 301.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Then, in um, step six, I talk about tests. Okay. And what kinds of tests are really useful okay. for us. and. Um, I talk about the um, U.S. Preventative Services Task Force, which is an independent expert panel that advises the government and medical organizations about true preventative health care. They say too many people are screened too frequently with tests that are inaccurate mm-hmm. and that too few people get the tests that they really need. All screening tests have risks. A lot of tests seem like they would help, but they are not backed up by data and open you up to a huge set of harms,
4: Mm -hmm.
3: says one of the MD members. Coronary carotid artery calcium screening. JAMA, Journal of uh, the Journal of the American Medical Association, says this is one of the most overused and ill-advised tests.
5: Oh, wow. <laughs> and that's the test the doctor said I would have to have.
3: The Watchdog Group Association for the Advancement of Retired Persons, AARP, says screening tests, especially those for carotid artery calcium, generate billions of dollars a year. Uh And there is no shortage of hospitals, clinics, and doctors willing to use your fear about heart disease to profit. Again, Uh, if you want drugs, go to a doctor.
5: Well, Well, no, I don't.
3: You want tests that can harm your health, go to a doctor. Mm -hmm. If you do not, then become your own expert on what makes a healthy heart and do it. It's going to take some work on your part. It might take some change in your lifestyle. And that's why we have doctors and pills. Mm -hmm. Because most people... Don't want to put out that effort, and don't want to make those changes.
5: That's no, not a problem for me. <laughs> so then do it. Do Stay that. away from the doctors. Mhm. Okay. Don't what is the name of your death? book again?
3: The book is called Abundantly Well, Seven okay. Medicines. It's my newest Sorry. book. out. And it's a chalk of ways to keep you out of the doctor's office.
5: Oh, great. As a matter of fact, one of the
3: um, lovely, lovely things that uh, I included in this book is an excerpt from a book by Erica Schwartz called Don't Let Your Doctor Kill You that's a great title <laughs> right the truth is the truth is doctors have no idea how you feel the truth okay. is to get the correct health care for you your doctor mm-hmm. must understand how you feel the truth is that if you don't have a doctor who listens to you then walk out
5: hmm
3: to represent you, a doctor cannot have malpractice fears, pressure from drug companies, insurance companies, equipment companies, or any other invisible presence in the examination room. The truth is that every word a doctor speaks to a patient has tremendous impact, and they get no training whatsoever in sensitivity or how to speak to you. Mm-hmm. Therefore, any word your doctor says can be devastating to your health. Right? Right. Mm -hmm. I am not against doctors. They are fine people. What I am against is healthy people going to doctors for preventative medicine. That's not where you will find it.
5: Right. I see what you're saying.
3: Okay. That's why my first question to you was, why did you go to the cardiologist? Mm Mm-hmm. Did you have a transient stroke? Did you ha- Do you have reason to think? You know, no, no. You went right. you said, for preventative care, and you won't find preventative care there. You're right. Two years ago, when I spent the weekend with Panch Adams up at Rogue Camp and Conference Center, he showed us a movie he had made called "Looking for Healthcare in All the Wrong Places."
5: Uh.
3: And in this movie, Patch has cold, and he walks into a doctor's office and said, I'd like to see the doctor. I have a cold. And they said, are you a new patient? He said, yes. They said, well, we, doctor can't see you for six weeks if you're a new patient. And Patch pleads, and finally they said, all right, all right, you know, we'll see if we can fit you in. And they give him, you know, the three-foot stack of forms to fill out. Mm-hmm. And so Patch gets discouraged, and he goes off seeking health care in all the wrong places. He seeks health care in a beauty salon. He seeks health care in a church. He seeks health care at a supermarket. (laughs) Right? And it is. It's hysterical. Because, in fact, he gets far better health care from all of these places than he would ever get from the doctor. Right. (laughs)
4: That's
3: funny. And again, I'm not anti-doctor. I'm so glad that Mm -hmm. we have doctors. I'm so glad that we have drugs and medicines. Modern medicine is truly a miracle, but it doesn't do preventative care. Right. You do preventative care.
5: hmm Okay. Well, thank you.
3: You're so welcome. Thanks for calling. Thank you so
5: much. I'm getting Please. your book right away.
3: Great. Okay.
5: Abundantly okay. well.
2: Okay. Thank <laughs> you. Good night. Bye. The next caller is coming from the 818 area code. Hello? Hello. Hi. Hi, Susan. I'm so excited to talk
7: to you.
8: <laughs> How are you tonight?
7: I'm so excited. This is a great podcast, and I just ordered your book because I forgot that you had, had it coming out because of the holidays. And so, um, oh, I'm so excited to talk to you. So this is a, a real, a simple problem compared to everybody else. And I've been doing nourishing herbal infusions since your first podcasts came out. But I, Good I, for I, you. Is, yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely. Just religiously, it's just fun. I love it. Um, I, I just love it. I just love it. And that's all I drink. I don't even drink water. Haven't in five years, unless it's there's nothing else. And so, anyways. I this is really weird and I can't I've been like googling this and trying to study this. My nose runs constantly and my eyes will water at, if I take a nap at work cuz I get a nap at work at lunch and then my eyes just run and my nose waters and I'm like I always have to have a handkerchief and I can't figure it out. I mean I researched histamines and I've tried and it's kind of random, like sometimes it's fine for two days, and then all of a sudden it's just like constant nose blowing. What is up? Is there a fungus in there? Well,
3: what I was is... going to ask you, is this only when you're inside at work, or is, does it also happen at your house or outside?
7: It, everywhere. It doesn't matter where I am in my car, at work, at – maybe it's the chemtrails in California. I don't – You know. I, I don't know. I'm there are no such things. Come on. I know well I'm trying I, Please. I can't This has been going on for years and years. Baby. Let's
3: keep let's keep this reality based. <laughs> well, I don't
7: know cuz I'm searching for what could be the answer. I've been Okay, so
3: book. here's where here's where we're both starting. Your body okay. is reacting to something by producing histamine. Okay, so it
7: is histamine. This
3: is what we know, right? You're having a mm-hmm. histamine reaction. Your your mucus tissues are producing more mucus and they are producing more mucus in order to get rid of something that's irritating. Okay. Now, is there really something there that's irritating? (sighs) Or has your body just decided that there's something there that's irritating? Because our bodies react to direct physical stimuli, but they also react symbolically, don't they? Yes,
7: now i got to think about that.
3: That's called somatizing.
7: Somatizing? Okay,
3: somatizing that. when our body reacts symbolically to something that's happening. I had a teacher who said, don't ever say that anybody is a pain in the ass or you're going to wind up with hemorrhoids.
7: <laughs> that's like I'm breaking my back and then I ended up with a back problem, which I've solved. Right. Right. Um, yeah, You, you, events, you
3: watch yeah. what you say and how your body somatizes to that. So there's an expression about somebody having something up their nose, right?
7: Yes, there is.
3: <laughs> and what does that mean when we say somebody has something up their nose?
7: Is there a butthole? I don't know. I mean, they're, maybe I'm being a jerk? I don't think so. And I think that they're being – I think it
3: means that they're being kind of snotty.
7: So maybe I'm being snotty or someone else is being snotty? Well,
3: you are you telling me you're being snotty? I might be. You are telling me that you are literally snotty, yes? Yes,
7: yes. Maybe because I work around 40 men and I'm the only girl and I have to put up
3: a lot of shit. There (laughs) you go.
7: Okay, maybe – so that might be all the men. Not that I have anything to yeah. get because I've had to deal You're with it. You're allergic
3: so to testosterone.
7: <laughs> you might be right. I think you got it right there. I think you got it. I, I think you just nailed it. Now there's more women coming in, and I'm noticing that I'm not sneezing so much and blowing my nose all the time. Maybe it is the test. Oh, no. Now i got to really think about this.
3: Well, actually, you could. It's okay to think about it. But I think that what would get you um, more of what you want rather than thinking is to write about it. And give yourself permission, like you're doing in your speaking, to be really fun and boisterous in your writing about it.
5: Okay, Maybe the
3: boys get up your nose, and you just have to sneeze <laughs> them out and snot them out in your story.
7: <laughs> they do. I've got to tangle with them all day long. Okay. There guess. you go. Okay. Yes. Okay. This is perfect.
3: Because, again, we're talking about somatic symbolic behavior. So being <sighs> doesn't take us there.
7: This makes sense because I've been listening to Do- Dr. Joe Dispenza with the energy and and the meditation because I couldn't understand meditation, I'm just now understanding it. There so, you go. Yeah. Yay,
3: yeah, Dr. Yeah. Yay, Dr. Joe. Right.
7: Yeah, he's. Awesome. Yeah, you
3: want to be in the, the in the somatic side. You're going to have to like loosen up and be creative and silly.
7: Okay. Perfect. The, so what is it after I take a nap? Why my eyes just run is is because I've done such great dreaming in my nap at work in, like, this creepy dark place where nobody knows where I am underneath the stairs, and I have the best sleep ever under there. Ever. Nobody How knows. wonderful. Well, you've heard of
3: paranoia, ever. right?
7: Do I have paranoia?
3: No, you have heard of paranoia, right?
7: Oh, yes, yes.
3: Paranoia is the unsubstantiated belief that the world is out to do you harm. Well, it has a companion called pronoia, which is the unsubstantiated belief that the world is out to do you good.
7: Okay, I'm going to go into pronoia. Exactly.
3: Now, most people, by and large, and it's partly Mm -hmm. cultural, are paranoid about their bodies. So when something happens that isn't quite ordinary, it's probably bad. And I suggest a pro noia approach to the body. If something is happening, and it's not likely to kill you, then play with it.
7: Okay, and then go down to the river and thank the mountain and the trees, like I do every day. Gratefulness, right, gratefulness. Gratefulness. Yes, because that seems to help. And sometimes just sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes
3: it doesn't. Sometimes it does. But just play with it, and don't. We we know that change is constant and sometimes yes. and if i'm in the midst of something i'll just say next year you will look back on this and laugh
7: i think you're right because I, when i talked to you like i think 3 or 4 years ago and i told you i worked in construction with 40 to 80 guys i'm the only girl i just remember this giant silence and then i realized oh i got to look at this
5: <laughs> <laughs>
7: i got to start thinking about this and then then the nose started running
3: <laughs> and your nose said, "Oh boy, you got boys up your nose." <laughs> I got to
7: all this out. <laughs> well, Now there's finally there's more women coming in, so now we can kind of have this little clan. And now there's a, a, a we're doing we're going to start yoga, and the guys are going. And it's so funny because you see when they don't like women, if there's three women talking, they get upset and they leave the room. It's like, well, if you don't like our clucking, then just don't listen. <laughs> don't,
3: right. I was. Just don't uh, listen. I was talking to a woman who was uh, on a submarine in a very similar situation. She was one of three women on a submarine with hundreds of men.
7: Oh, my goodness.
3: And what they did, I thought was brilliant, was they used the four-letter word for the female sexual organ, which we were not allowed to say out loud. And and they used it to refer to everything. Like if they they wanted a cup, they'd say to the other woman, could you pass me that cup? if they wanted a piece of paper, they'd say, could I have that flat cut?
7: <laughs> and okay, the boys just – since
3: they were using the word all the time, the boys had nowhere to go, you know?
7: You're right because the last guy just told me, don't be a cup, and I won't be a cup. And I said, oh, get it, Joe Rogan. And I, I go right back at them. That's the thing. Right. I can go right back at them. You have right. to. You have to set boundaries. You have to just go right back at them and shut them down. And I haven't learned that till recently. But, okay, so now this is all relating. <laughs> this is all relating. I think you just solved it.
3: <laughs> no, I think you did. Our body's fun. I love how they can speak to us if we give them a little creative room.
7: Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Now I'm now I'm gonna go think. Thank you, Susan, so much.
5: You
3: are welcome. And before and before you go, should this be intensely bothersome to you at any point, O S H A OSHA root will temporarily stop it.
7: Oh, I have that in my locker. You know what? I took it there and I forgot about it. It's in there. I'm gonna do this. Okay. It's in there. Good. Already. Work already. Thank you so much, Uh, Susan.
2: Green blessings. Good night.
7: Okay, green blessings. Good night.
2: All right. The next caller is coming from the 613 area code. Uh, I think that's me. Hello? That is you. Susan, are you still there? I'm so still. Oh, then she got muted. Sorry about that. Get back on. Okay, to are you there? Hello? Hi.
6: Hi. Um, I have a question about, uh, I think it's cervicitis. Is there anything you would recommend herbally for for that?
3: Itis means inflammation of. So we can have gastritis or sinusitis or cervicitis, all of which basically mean inflammation of that particular area. And you've been diagnosed with cervicitis, with inflamed <laughs> cervix?
6: No, no, I believe I might be self-diagnosing. This is something that's been happening for years. It's just it's basically just bleeding um during intercourse and I've had a I think it's called colposcopy Um, And all they said they found was um, Just some Inflamed blood vessels That um, Were kind of sensitive to the touch And would bleed And I had had uh, Dysplasia Years before That got treated So
3: Let's Say that your cervix is your the tip of your thumb, okay, okay, all right, so that we can talk about it pretty easily now, the tip of your thumb is a little tender and bleeds easily and has a few extra cells, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a knife and we're gonna cut out a piece of your
4: thumb,
3: <laughs> ouch. That's what a colposcopy is.
6: That's what they did? Oh, my God.
3: I believe that's what they did. Oh. It could be that they just looked at your cervix, but almost all the time when they say it's a colposcopy, they also do a biopsy.
6: I don't think in that case they did.
3: Okay. Okay. Good. I am glad to hear that. <laughs> because, because it, they, you know, it, it, it's something that catches women by surprise because they think it's just going to be an examination and then suddenly they're being cut.
6: I, I think, because this was a while ago, uh, several years ago, but I think they said that if they would have found something that they would have, but they didn't. And all they found was the blood vessels uh-huh. that were... Kind of, in, a little bit inflamed. A
3: little bit inflamed. So, one of the easiest things to do to cut down on inflammation is to stop eating pepper.
6: Oh.
3: i tell you a funny story. I teach at a lovely bookshop in Woodstock called Mirabai. And there are some people who come to my workshops there um, very faithfully and devotedly who never come out to my house five miles away. And one of them is a woman a little older than myself who's an artist. And um, she had heard me several times recommend to people in inflamed states that they just cut out pepper. And she really loved pepper and she thought she would never do that until suddenly she woke up one day and her right hand, which she used to paint, the knuckles were swollen and they were red and they were inflamed. And she, you know, consulted this person and that person and so on and so forth. And finally she said, you know, I'm just going to like see what happens. She said she stopped eating all pepper, no black pepper, no cayenne pepper, no barbecue, no curry. And within a week, her hand was normal. It's not the only thing you can do to cut down on inflammation, but it is one of the fastest and the, the most dramatic.
6: Okay. Thank you. Yeah.
3: Other than that, there are great... You can go to National Instit- Institutes of Health, and they have a
6: fantastic
3: um, section on anti-inflammatory foods and herbs. Okay. Harvard Medical School at their website also has a really good section on um, anti-inflammatory foods.
6: Okay, thank you.
3: You are welcome. Anytime there's inflammation, get with your anti-inflammatory herbs and foods, and usually you will find that that eases off. Now let me also ask you, are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions?
6: Um, no, I guess not.
3: Okay. Well, stinging nettle infusion is one of everybody's favorites. As a matter of fact, my sweetheart said, boy, you know, I love that, net- that nettle infusion that I made last night so much today that I'm going to make it again tonight. I said, go for it. I can drink all the nettle you want to serve. And stinging nettle is renowned for strengthening blood vessels so that they are less sensitive, less inflamed, and less likely to bleed. Okay. You can find YouTubes of me making nourishing herbal infusions, and of course, in every single one of my books, I do give a recipe for making a nourishing herbal infusion, which is one ounce dried nettle in a quart jar filled at the top with boiling water,
5: tightly let it steep for four hours or overnight, strained, refrigerated.
2: Susan, you just got muted for a moment. I'm not sure what happened there, and so did the other caller, so here we go. Oops. I can't hear you. Can Are you there, Susan? Sure. If you're hearing me either, let's see. Susan, can you say something? I cannot hear anybody on here. Um There we go. I think we're back on it. Is are you there, Susan? I'm gonna try and muting somebody else in the 718. Can you hear me? Susan, are you there?
3: (laughs) Unmuted, that sounds good.
4: Hello. Okay. Hello.
2: Okay, I have my cell phone on here. Can you hear me now?
3: Now I can hear you, yes.
2: Oh, okay, good. All right. <laughs> I had to call in with my cell phone, and for some reason that worked to get me through, but um, now I'm on my other phone, so.
3: I couldn't get through okay. either. I was suddenly cut off, and then they wouldn't allow me to call back
0: in.
2: Yeah, what a confusing thing that was, so. uh apologies to. Well, here we are. Of, and here we are.
0: Here we and are. Back,
2: so, both
3: back here. All right, good. <laughs> and perhaps and, raised.
2: Yeah, did you did you finish talking to the woman in the 613?
3: I'm not sure when I was cut off.
2: Okay. I'm not sure if she her um microphone is on. So, if you're there in the 613, It does not sound like it. No. And um, if anybody else has a question, please raise your hand because it looks like um, all of the callers with – I don't know what happened there, but it doesn't look like anybody has their hand raised at this moment. So
3: There was a big – sounds like there was some big glitchy.
2: Yeah. We did have um, one person write a question and it looks like somebody just raised their hand, but um, yeah, we'll come back to that if we need to. All right, so the next caller is coming from the 859 area code. Hi, Susan. Hi.
5: Hi.
4: So um, I have a question and it's it's about um, ADHD. And I'm, I sound like I'm out of breath because I was just wrestling with a futon mattress while I was listening. Um, <laughs> <Good to> you. <laughs> um, it's about ADHD, and um, there's a possibility that my adult daughter has it, um, and she's in college. And over the years, I never considered it a possibility. I just, I didn't think of. It In terms of a diagnosis, I just thought of her in terms of her and the things that I could do to support her well-being. Um, and as an adult, she's a new um, college student. She's considering the possibility that this is something that she's struggled with for a long time, um, at least as long as she's been in school. I homeschooled her um, through Sixth grade. And um, she is getting an evaluation, which the hope is that um, she would learn through the evaluation whether she has this uh, uh, diagnosis, I guess. And as, as far as she understands so, I, like the kind to, I'd of.
3: Like, I'd like to stop you for a moment. Okay because um I don't deal in diagnosis at all, good, and I don't do second hand consultations
4: yes, i understand i do
3: so i I feel like we are you know both feet off of the track here,
4: <laughs> okay,
3: and we're talking about somebody else in a diagnosis,
4: I guess and so one, i'm
3: the- I am uncomfortable and and don't don't feel really safe in that kind of territory. Furthermore, um, what are we really talking about here? Right. Yeah. pension deficit, hyperactivity disorder. Says who? Says right. who? Says somebody who wants you to go to work at 9 in the morning, work until 5 and yeah. be on time and be part of the corporate machine? Right. Well, maybe your daughter doesn't isn't suited to be part of part of the corporate machine. Right. I think you had that sense when you homeschooled her. Right. That basically what you said was, I'm sorry, you're not going to train my daughter to be part of the corporate machine. Absolutely. And so now we need a diagnosis so that she can be fixed so she can be part of the corporate machine. What? Yeah. No? Does she have a hard time paying attention? To what? Well, this she, is the thing she doesn't like, you know. A, a, somebody says, a student says to me, you know, uh Pastor apprentice says to me, I'm going to write a book. I said, good, call me when your toilet is as clean as it's ever been.
4: <laughs>
3: right? Because nobody, nobody can focus when they sit down to write. Nobody. Not Hemingway, not Gertrude Stein. Nobody, Okay. And you have to learn how to um, deal with yourself. Hemingway wrote Standing Up in the Morning. That was how he dealt with himself about writing. You just have to figure out what makes you tick and how you can get yourself to do what you want yourself to do. Right. Right? And
4: and all of the things, all the, the behaviors. Attention
3: deficit, well, that's Great for me. I am so happy that I am intention deficit. That means I can work on eight projects at once. And I've had absolutely no difficulty switching back and forth. But it also means that if I am not really well organized, I'm going to make myself crazy. So I can run a publishing company and I can train students, and I can do video courses with Justine, and I can run a herd of dairy goats and a farm, and I can travel. I can do all these things simultaneously because I'm attention deficit. And I use that to my advantage because I can maintain attention on something over a long time, but not necessarily a whole lot at one time. just a different way of paying attention isn't
4: it yeah and i don't even see those qualities in her in terms of focus uh, cons- i yeah it's ah. it's a little it's a little i know that you don't want to talk about somebody who's not on the phone right right so
5: Catnip tincture
3: has a reputation for helping people who have a diagnosis of of ADHD. Okay. And I will leave you with that. I think you're doing a great job of supporting your daughter, and I think. that maybe it's possible to talk to her and find out what's underlying her need to have this diagnosis.
4: Okay.
3: Something else is certainly going on here, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. College is really scary, you know?
4: Oh, yeah. It's not for everybody. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. you know you, you you've longed to be an adult since the day you were born and suddenly you <laughs> are in like
4: panic <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but you can't admit it
3: because you've longed to be at one of those
4: <laughs> right yeah yeah i it, i it, used it's... to say freedom is not what it appears it's actually responsibility
3: you got it <laughs> 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 what a wise woman you are. <laughs> so I hope this has helped a little bit. And yes. if your daughter wants, I would be happy to talk to her.
4: Okay. I appreciate All right.
3: it. Okay. Green blessings. Good night.
4: Green blessings.
2: Good night. Okay, if anybody else has a question, please raise your hand by pressing 1. And um, Somebody wrote a question in. It's pretty simple. It says, here's a question for Susan. I have heard you say vinegar could be helpful in treating a fungal infection. I'm wondering whether it must be apple cider vinegar or whether white vinegar would suffice, as it is much less expensive for me. Thank you so much.
3: I'm wondering what kind of apple cider vinegar she's getting that it's so expensive. I don't know. In my supermarket, I don't think that, that there's that much difference in the price. I think a gallon of white vinegar is like 2 or $3, and a gallon of apple cider vinegar is maybe 2 or $3.5. Um, certainly, if we're using vinegar against a fungal infection, we do not, under any circumstances, want raw vinegar um, She perhaps has not heard me rant against raw vinegar and why I would never use raw vinegar and why I pasteurize my vinegar um, before I use it to make um, my herbal vinegars. Uh, So especially if we're dealing with fungal infection, there could be fungal spores in the vinegar, the apple cider vinegar, if you get it raw. The great thing about white vinegar is, well, it's not really anything other than acetic acid and water, so you don't have to worry about there being any contaminants in it. Um, but pasteurized apple cider vinegar is the one that is usually uh, referred to when people are talking about vinegar. Um, but yeah, you could probably use white vinegar. I don't see any reason not to. Okay. Sounds
2: good. And, and we 60, did have a what couple... It-
3: Doing is it's very acidic and it's changing the acid alkaline balance so that the fungus can't tolerate it
2: mhm,
3: right? The same thing as you would do um a sits bath for candida to change the pH right
2: yeah, okay. which is
3: also a fungal infection,
2: mhm. And we have a couple more callers. It looks like we might just get to one before our guest arrives. And this caller is coming from the 323 area code.
8: Hi. Um, is it me? It's you. Cool. Um, wow. I feel like really lucky that I was listening in live this time because um, so many of my questions were addressed but I'm one of these 22-year-old college-age people who's like, wow, I'm an adult, and it's terrifying. And I um, have a lot of things that I'm working with herbally, but um, one question that's begging to be asked is, um, I have pain after I eat the things with oil, um, and I'm curious about that, and I'm also curious about, like, the difference between treating sadness and treating depression.
3: Depression is a term that's used nowadays to cover a wide variety of states that uh, we used to differentiate Between like homesickness and ennui and so on. So the current definition of depression is that someone who has lost their taste for life. They see no point in doing anything. They see no point in getting out of bed. They see no point or any enjoyment in things that they previously took pleasure and enjoyment in. I was reading a fantasy story about a a man who wanted to find the cave of the hidden gold on the Misty Island. And he wanted to hire a guide. And there was only one man who was supposed to know where the cave was. And he did agree to be hired. And As they were going toward it, he, he said to the young man, he said, you know, there's a price to pay for this gold. And the young man said, what is that price? He says, if you take this gold, then you will... Have a veil drawn between you and the world, and you will never again get any pleasure from being alive. And that is the state that people who are depressed are in. A woman who is depressed once said to me, you know, I was so depressed, I thought about killing myself, but then I realized nobody would care, so I didn't do it.
0: Yeah.
3: And I thought, wow, but that's really depressed, isn't it? Yeah. To be so depressed, you think, I'm just going to off myself and then think, oh, well, nobody would even notice if I did that, so I won't bother. I'm like, ouch. So, sadness is usually specifically related to something. I lost my really pretty blue silk scarf before I went to Costa Rica, and I still miss it, and I'm sad. And actually, I lost, golly gee, probably like 50 years ago, a really nice pair of purple denim shorts that I still miss and I'm still sad about. That's sadness, right? But it doesn't interfere with my joy in life. My friend Marie died last year. I'm really sad that Marie is dead. I think about her almost every day. But I'm not depressed about it. Yeah. Does that help you understand
8: the difference? Yeah. Yeah. So as far as the difference in treatment, I think that I'm not depressed, but I'm very sad. Yes. And I've been taking St. John's Wort tincture that I made with honey, um, and I've been taking oat straw and... Red Clover to balance my...
3: Wonderful. Great choices. Thank you. Yeah.
4: You know, know,
3: when I was your age, I was very, very sad too. And sometimes I'm still sad like that because, gee golly gosh, the world is a really sad place and really sad things happen to like so many people. And I used to... It just, like, almost anything would make me cry because it was, like, so sad. And then I realized that, well, you know, that was not doing any good for any of those sad things. And then I got angry. (laughs) And it's just altogether a lot better for me and for everybody else for me to be angry than for me to be sad. (laughs) Yeah. Because yeah. that anger is motivating, isn't it?
8: Yeah, when I started taking nettles, when I started taking nourishing herbs, I I started with nettles, and I was on it for like two weeks, and then I had this blow up of anger, and yeah. it yeah, and I was it yeah. scared me. So yeah. I because
3: like, crying is just sitting still in your corner, right? In my own little corner, in my own little chair. And anger is like blowing yourself out into the world and saying, "This shit stops here." It stops
8: here. Yeah.
3: yeah. As a matter of fact, oh, I don't remember her name. I should. I'm so not with it. But there's a, a teenage girl who was like really super depressed about what was going on in the world, and she's and she found her anger, and she's out there in public now, going, "Get your shit together, gang!" Right? Do you yeah, know about her?
8: Yeah. yeah. So I I was doing some environmental activism like that. I was tree sitting. Yep. And I was and it was it was like really amazing to be using this like discomfort to work as an activist, but then it, w- it was so it burned me out so much. I and it didn't it, it felt so hopeless. Like my other question was like are you? Do you feel grief about the climate crisis? Like even doing that work is sad. But I
3: actually believe that human beings are pretty darn clever, yeah. and that overall, uh, we like movies in which disaster seems imminent, and then we are saved at the in the nick of time because that's pretty much how we, how human beings operate. We push it just way too far, and then somehow we manage to save ourselves just in the nick of time. You know, can you imagine, imagine a hundred years ago the amount of horse shit on the streets of cities? (laughs) It was a major flipping problem. What are we gonna do with all of this horse shit? And more and more people are living here and there's more and more horses. What on earth are we going to do? And suddenly there's cars.
8: Yeah. I'm Susan. not saying
3: that our solutions are always Perfect. They're certainly not, and they always cause a host of other problems, but that's how we do it. We just kind of lurch from one disaster to a solution that causes another disaster to another solution, and so on, right?
8: Yeah.
3: So be part of the solution. Whatever it is, we don't even have to know what it is.
8: <laughs> yeah, nourishing herbs, maybe. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Sometimes it's more effective to know what you don't want than to know what it is you want and to make a fuss about what you don't want. You know, I, as soon as I could really, like, reason for myself around seven or eight, um, I noticed that in Dallas that on the buses, there was a line in the back of the bus, and the people who had colored skin had to sit behind the line, and the people who had white skin sat in front of the line. And, wow, I started going and sitting behind the line. Yeah. I don't know if it made any difference, but it made a difference to me. It said something to me. It said to me, I don't care if you're only eight years old. You can make a statement here about this. It's wrong, and you don't like it, and you don't have any way to really change it, but you can just take your body and sit behind the line. Yeah. So, yeah, if you were getting burned out, then it wasn't really nourishing you. People have long said to me, Susan, you are going to burn yourself out. You know, you just work so hard. You do so many different things. You're really going to burn out. So I said to Grandmother Twy, Grandmother Twy, and I said, what do you think I'm going to burn out? She said, you know, Susan, you need to go and talk to the sun. I said, what? She said, go go sit out there and talk to the sun. She's always very direct that way. So I sat outside in the sunlight, and I said, hey, sun, Saul up there, great star in our sky. People are telling me I'm going to burn out. What do you have to say about that? And the sun said, Yeah, me too. I'm going to burn out. Meanwhile, I'm giving it all.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Susan, our guest is here. Okay. Okay.
3: You are welcome, and thanks for letting me know that Tanya Zabinski is here. Tanya views life as the ultimate artwork and aspires to live an artful, heartful, mindful life. She studied art, design, music, and philosophy at Buffalo State College, Parsons School of Design, and Kansai Gaidai University in Japan. She's a recipient of the Society of Children's Books Writers and Illustrators, Tomi DePaola. Award. Using a self invented reduction process with a silk screen printing, Tanya combines strong composition and flat color to create bold, graphic, eye catching images. A true community artist, Tanya and her husband, Joe DeBasquale, co founded the Elmwood Avenue Festival of the Arts in Buffalo, New York. For 25 years, they have run Planet Love, their own art based business exhibiting at more than 20 outdoor art and music festivals per year. Instantly recognizable to those who know and love her art, Zabinski's prints reach a wide audience through printing on accessible media of T-shirts, banners, and paper. She's a lifelong yoga and meditation practitioner, a bicyclist, camper, hiker, and because she lives in the very snowy hills south of Buffalo, New York, a cross-country skier. Greetings, Tanya. I'm so glad you can be with us this evening.
9: Greetings, Susan. I'm so happy to be here.
3: Did you just write a book?
9: I did. Um, so it's called Peace, Love, Action: Everyday Acts of Goodness from A to Z. And I came on the line when you were talking to the young woman about sadness, and then you segued into like um, activism and talking about sadness or anger, <laughs> being a little step above sadness and being able to use it as a motivating force and, you know, have, using hope. And I, I think it sort of segues right into what my book is about because, um, well, it it's an A to Z of everyday actions goodness. Okay, so every act of goodness has a mini bio of a peaceful activist who embodies that action. So uh, some of them are well-known and some are lesser well-known. Um, like I have A for appreciate and Autumn Peltier, she's a water warrior. Uh, she has the mini bio for that one. B is for breathe and Thich Nhat Hanh represents the action of bring, breathe. He's a Vietnamese monk. Um, C is for conserve, John Muir. Uh, so, you know, it goes through the whole alphabet. And um, each letter also has, or each actual what you can do section. So the book isn't just about other people. It's also about, um, well, you know, <laughs> if I want to incorporate breathing in my life or conservation in my life, you know, what can I do? And, um, well, one of the things I after I put together the book um, – I noticed there were a lot of common denominators among all the peaceful activists, and um, for instance well susan b well susan B anthony isn't in the book, but I think of her all the time because she's a person you know she worked for women to get the right to vote, but in her own lifetime, she never even saw that accomplished, and um young woman who you were speaking to before me, she was saying, you know, she's involved in environmentalism or climate activism, and it is such a big issue, and um, it's not something that's going to get solved overnight, so I think one of the things that we have to do is, well, one thing is you need a support system, and I think that's one nice thing about your radio program is that you know, you're creating a community court, and, um, and then, um, well, also, well, Sister Helen Prejean, she's a person who's in my book. She, uh, well, if you're familiar with the book, Dead Man Walking, she wrote that, which was made into a movie. Um, she, well, in a nutshell, is advocating to get rid of the death penalty, and um also it's an issue that in her lifetime she might not see it accomplished but um you know she's still working towards it and she always says that it helps to surround yourself with like-minded people and who you know keep you inspired and fired up and motivated and encouraged and um and then you just have to trust uh which is sometimes harder, (laughs) easier said than done. But uh, I like the story you told, that when you were only eight years old, you were an activist on the bus and, you know, going to the back of the bus and mixing it up. Um, So power to you.
3: Yes, I was always known as a difficult child. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, I love the the way you have put your book together. So it's an alphabet book. Does that mean that it's written for young people?
9: Well, uh, it's categorized as a middle grade reader, but it's actually an all ages book because it deals with universal archetypal <laughs> um, principles and people who are great inspirations for all of us, any age.
3: Right. So you've chosen certain qualities like conserve and breathe, and um, then you have written short bios of people that exemplify this for you. Yes. To introduce us to these people. Could you give us an example from the book?
9: An example? um, Okay. Well, I have P is for plant, and Wangari Maathai is the person who exemplifies that. She started, um, well, she mobilized thousands of will, women to plant millions of trees in uh, Kenya. And uh, that started what's known as the Green Belt Movement, so it stopped the, some of the desertification that was happening. Um And she actually combined two issues. Um, One was the environmental problem with land turning to a desert because it had been monocropped and a lot of trees cut down for the colonization. And, um, well, the interesting thing is that when she was young, Her native tradition taught that fig trees, they're sacred and they can't be cut down. Uh, That's because they have particularly deep running roots, and so they bring up the water that runs deep, they bring it to the surface. And so she knew if trees were planted that it would solve this problem. And also a problem in Kenya was that women were very disempowered, they didn't have work and couldn't make decisions in the family over what to do with the money. And so she felt she could find to pay the women that this could solve two problems. Um, so she put those two things together in a very creative way. Uh, so it tells her story. And then in the What You Can Do section, um, let's see, plant, Um Something you can do is, um, oh, well, grow things indoors or outdoors. And one very simple thing is to sprout sprouts. Um, You know, you can do it even in winter in the kitchen with a jar and uh, sprouting seeds and some fabric and a rubber band. Um, Or you can plant a tree and use it as an opportunity to commemorate someone or something um, so it gives just little suggestions and then little fun facts. Um,
3: what what yeah. a delightful book, plus, I believe, that it is illustrated by you. Yes, it is. Tell us more about that process. Did you illustrate the person or the concept? So is there an illustration um, of John Muir or an illustration yes. of Const-
9: um, both. Okay, so there's, um, okay, so you know how they say like our words that we surround ourselves really influence, like influence us. And I feel that images also influence influence us. <laughs> and advertisers know that and use it to sell products, but I feel like images can <laughs> be used to, you know, inspire a vision too. So for each word, there's a picture and um and you know they say a picture is worth a thousand words so for plant it shows um, adults hands and a child's hands planting a seedling and um and then all the portraits well originally when I submitted this book to the publisher I had photographs of all the people and my publisher asked if I would illustrate them and I've never been good at capturing likenesses, so I said, you know, it's not my forte, and I, um, you know, I think it would be better if I didn't do that. And they really um, pressed me to try, well, to do it. <laughs> so um, I, Wangari Matai is the first one I started with because after I read her, Autobiography. I felt like she was a sister to me, like I felt like I knew her and loved her and she was so earnest and genuine and sincere. So I took a picture of her, well, I found a black and white picture of her, and I looked at that picture of her smiling, and I felt like all the love coming from her. And so I... Just when I was working on her, I, I was feeling all that love and putting all that love into her picture. And then um, it came out looking like her. And, um, you know, I showed it to some people and gave it a few tweaks. and uh, And then I found that I actually was able to do portraits that looked like people. So it stretched me, you know, outside of what I thought I could do.
3: What a success story, huh?
9: Um, yeah, it made me feel really uh, exhilarated.
3: <laughs> yeah, when we when we go where we don't know that we can go yeah. and do that. You and your husband run um, what's the name of it?
9: It's called the Elmwood Avenue Festival of the Arts, and it's in Buffalo, New York. And we last summer was the 20th year that we celebrated. <laughs>
3: Wow, that's fantastic. And you also run Planet Love, planetlovedesigns.com, yes?
9: Yes, that is our business. Um well, I make designs. We silk screen print them on clothing and sell them at craft shows and music festivals.
3: Nice. Very nice. And the book is available where?
9: Okay, so I encourage people to go to their local independent bookstore um, or whatever, you know, bookstores near them um, because one of the actions in the book, it's also um, G, is for Go Local. And Alice Waters is the person mm-hmm. whose biography accompanies that.
8: And...
9: Um, so the book is that you get it when it's the freshest. It's not some something old from far away that used a lot of greenhouse gases to get to your plate. So same thing, you know, for buying a book. If you can get it locally, that's the best. Um also if you order it through Parallax Press, my publisher Directly, then for every book they directly sell, they give another book to an incarcerated person. Um, their press was started by Thich Nhat Han and another person, um, so they have a lot of um, uh, philosophies that you know are peace building in the world.
3: Did you know about this press and solicit them to put out this book?
9: Um, well, the way it worked is i I worked on this book for about ten years and I sent it to various publishers and um I did get encouraging notes back, but I didn't get any any bite <laughs> then um I was able to get a publish of Sorry, I was able to get an agent, and she found this publisher. Um, She thought it would be, you know, uh, my book would be very appropriate for them, and um, they were interested. And, yeah, our values really, you know, overlap with each other, so it was a really great match. That's great. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Do you have a vision for the book?
9: Well, um, what I'd really love uh, is for readers to find inspiration from the biographies, not as a hero worship kind of thing, but as an example that what all the people in the book did, they can do too, and they can do it with their own twist. So I'd like them to feel empowered. And, um Love to see it used by people of all ages in families, in schools, colleges. Um, I've been using the illustrations as uh, traveling artworks, <laughs> um, and I'd also also actually I have a lot of the designs printed on my t shirt So those are really like traveling artworks, and <laughs> people walk around. Uh, wow! <laughs> and uh, um, so. My hope is that they can um, shine a light of beauty and encouragement and um, spread that out into the world.
3: I like that. That's a beautiful, beautiful vision for that book. May it come true. May it be used everywhere. I've just finished uh, watching Harriet. The movie Harriet.
9: I saw that, too. I loved it,
3: yeah. Oh, my God. Well, we certainly couldn't all call her peaceful, but what a woman. Wow. Yeah.
9: Um. I mean, peaceful. I mean, for the most part, she was, but... Um, well, what was that last
3: thing? They said that she's the only woman in U.S. history who raised her own militia? Yeah. <laughs>
9: um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a friend. You know, really, that great
3: scene of her out there, you know, with those hundred men. Okay, go out there and kill them, you know. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm all I am all for peace, very, very much so. And Harriet uh, was too, but in her own way, actually. <laughs> yeah. You know, not not necessarily uh, the way that that we are talking about. So. Um, yeah. Well.
9: Martin you give options are that it. we can
3: do in the book, right? Like things yeah. that we can do, like breathe or plant something. And are the, is this just to, like, fill up space in the book, or do you really think that these would be effective?
9: Oh, um, well, <laughs> I think that, um, I mean, when I read a a book about something, I always try to think, or often try to think, well, What can I glean from their life to kind of use in my life? So this is just like a little, um, these are just little suggestions of, you know, possibly you could do this if you like, or this or that. And it's just ways that we can work, you know, peaceful ideas into our everyday living. Like uh, one of the actions in the book, T is for thank, And uh, one of the what you can do things is keep a gratitude journal. And actually gratitude, it's one of the – I think it's a really important thing in life because if we have more gratitude, we have less um, worry and regrets. And – it just makes turns our mind towards um, p- more positive things, and they say like the more you're thankful for, the more things come to you to be thankful for. <laughs> so, um, Susan, that practice. So, Susan has well, you know, Thompson, not... a cognitive
3: scientist, says if there were a drug that did what gratitude does, it would yeah. make the person who patented it rich.
9: Yeah. I so, thought that, like thought that this was action, very,
3: very interesting. And Grandmother Twyla was was all about give me an attitude of gratitude here. When we would complain, yeah. when we were resentful or self-pitying or just, you know, ah, 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 she would say, I want an attitude of gratitude right now.
4: All right, Grandma Twyla, I <laughs> like that, I agree. Right, and she, and she,
3: said, she said to us, G- gratitude is generated from within. It is not about what's happening outside you.
9: Uh-huh.
3: Um, so it's really, yeah, it's, actually, an, it's an attitude. It's not like, oh, I. and that's that's my kind of like, eh, about the gratitude journal, is it tends to focus us on things outside ourselves. Whereas grandmother was very clear that w- gratitude is developing the attitude.
9: Uh
3: huh. Well, the person. But, but, you know, all paths that lead to gratitude are certainly wonderful. Wonderful paths. I am having mm-hmm. such a good time talking to you, and I've been a little negligent in not asking you exactly how people can get in touch with you. What's the. Should they go to planetlovedesigns.com? Is that the best um, way to get Well,
9: that's where they can order either, um, you know, well, I call it printed clothing with positive vision. Um, the book they can also order there. Uh, I also have a Peace, Love, Action website. Um, they could go there.
3: And that's called peaceloveaction.com? peaceloveaction.org? Yes. Uh, .com?
9: Dot com.
3: Okay, mm-hmm. peaceloveaction.com. Great. Great. So those are ways that people can get in touch with Tanya Zabinski and get more art and gratitude and um, more actions and more information about people who are doing it. I'm always surprised when people don't know about Peace Pilgrim, one of my favorite peaceful activists.
9: The Woman Who Walked.
3: The Woman Who Walked, Peace Pilgrim, yes.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I have a, yeah. A, a saying from her in my bathroom where I look at it every day. It says, I do my work uh, lovingly and gratefully. Everything and everything around me is, is, is in beauty. It's just, I mean, talk about an attitude of gratitude. right? Here's a woman who owned nothing. A pair of shoes, a pair of socks, a pair of underwear, pants, shirt, that's it. She yeah. never knew where she was going to sleep or eat. She walked for peace. Hooray, peace, pilgrim. Wow. Yeah, We've got, come continue, almost um, to the last minutes of our show. I would love to talk to you more. Wonderful ideas and really enjoying our conversation. But what I'm going to ask you is the last question, which is what do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's listening to you tonight, Tanya?
9: Ah, <sighs> the hearts and minds. Um, well, I'd like to
4: <clears throat>
9: thank all the listeners for listening and and thank them for shining their light in our world, their unique, personal, beautiful light.
3: Okay, wow. So you can go to planetlovedesigns.com or what was that other website? Peace.
9: Love,
3: uh, PeaceLoveAction.com dot com. dot com for more of Tanya Zabinski. Thank you for being with us tonight, Tanya, to help reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. Your threads are so colorful and rich. Very much appreciate that, and thanks Rebecca for being there and being the moderator, and finding all these wonderful people to come and talk with us. You are such a wonderful help in helping me restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. And a big shout-out to Justine and Monica Jean back in Costa Rica, and um, playing hostess to a group that is doing Qigong for a week, so they're a little bit occupied, but... uh, We're sending love their way and green blessings to all of you. Abundantly Well is finally here. Hooray. Susan is is thrilled. Good night, everybody. Green blessings. Blessings. Good
9: Good night, night. everyone.